Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden, who was vice president when the Affordable Care Act was passed along party lines in 2010, celebrating a 7-2 victory at the U.S. Supreme Court today. Though it was decided on a technicality and not on the merits. The newest justice, Amy Coney Barrett, was among the seven who chose to turn away the challenge to the law. Though Democrats spent weeks during her confirmation hearings warning that she was being nominated to the court solely for the purpose of destroying the ACA. I do believe this hearing is a clear attempt to jam through a Supreme Court nominee who will take health care away from millions of people. If Judge Barrett is confirmed, Americans stand to lose the benefits that the ACA provides. You remember that conversation? Amy Coney Barrett ends up on the court, and away goes the uh, your Obamacare. Away goes your health care that you love so much. Of course, she that's, that's specifically why she's been nominated. Went the other direction yesterday, as we found out in the Supreme Court ruling when it came out. So that was all crap, which is what most of politics is. Let's uh, hear from the appropriately named Dick Durbin back in the uh, the confirmation days, 46. We naturally draw the conclusion there's going to be a third strike uh, it, when it comes to Texas and California. You said it won't affect pre-existing conditions. If the petitioners have their way, there will not be an Affordable Care Act to protect pre-existing conditions. I'm not hostile to the ACA. I'm not hostile to any statute that you pass. Oh, of course she's claiming that, but Kamala and Dianne Feinstein sniffed her out. Now we'll give the uh, semi-final word to Jonathan Turley in 47. Yeah, she was treated shamefully uh, during her confirmation hearing. They surrounded her with pictures that made her look like some type of judicial serial killer. I mean, they, they, they basically said all these people are going to have their health care taken away because of you. And I doubt many of these members are going to come back and apologize to her. That's just not done, unfortunately, in our age of rage. But she deserves an apology. Remember these words. Commit them to memory. Tattoo them onto your forehead. H.L. Mencken, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Yeah. Next time somebody hits you with a hobgoblin uh, in politics, just remember, they're just trying to treat you like a sheep. So we were talking last hour about how the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, for a, a variety of reasons, only makes up 4% of people that got vaccinated. And I thought, you know, that would end up being the one everybody wanted. But they're going to have to throw out millions of doses that are about to expire. The current number out on Americans that have received at least one dose, this isn't even the, the that, that are fully vaccinated, is only at half of the country that's received uh, uh, one dose. Remember Joe Biden's goal which originally looked very easy to make, was to have 70% of people vaccinated by the 4th of July. That now is clear, not gonna, not a chance it's going to happen. Because the polling shows that of the, of the half of America that's not vaccinated, half of those say they have no intention to at all. Mm-hmm. And the other half might have some intention, but they'll never get around to it. And as usual, the number that's left out of the equation is people who had the COVID and have natural immunity. Right. What percentage of the unvaccinated is that? I would like to know that. Well, we don't know that. That, That's an unknown number. But uh, some people think it's it's 30, 35%. So that gets you to 
80 to 85 percent of the population that has some immunity, which is yeah. well which over um, the uh, herd herd immunity number. But in terms right. of the vaccine, uh, the, those of us that were willing to get it ran out and got it as fast as we could. And everybody else is uh, now. Nah, no, no, thanks. And so it looks like about half the country is just not going to get it. Okay, not much you can yeah, do about that. No, no. And maybe I'm, you don't I'm... need to do anything about it, as you were pointing out with the herd immunity thing. And uh, luckily, the I wonder though the the thing that they don't know, and this is completely unknown, is how many people who had COVID got the vaccine. How much overlap is there? We don't know that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that kind of goes in the other direction yep. in terms of achieving herd immunity. Yeah. Yep. If that thirty no. percent. Um, uh, that have immunity from the COVID also got the shot. Well, that brings us way back down again. Yeah. Uh, there's a friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, very bright fellow who's been uh, listening to various podcasts and things and has uh, concerns about uh, weirdness associated with the vaccine. I can't find it anywhere, that information anywhere but the sources he mentioned, so I'm not sure quite what to make of it. And I, I did another round of of questioning all of the men and women of medicine that I personally know, and it's a, it's a number of folks, um, and not a single one of them has any concern uh, about the safety of the vaccine. So I don't, you know, maybe they're being fooled at a little, and and I'll come on the air and say, yeah, uh, this is how the world works. Sometimes even doctors have no idea, but I just I don't have any worry about it. Not any serious worry. So the states that have the highest percentage of adults that have had at least one dose, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Hawaii, around 70%. States with the lowest, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. All the usual suspects. All side by side, down around a third, which is, you know, half of what those uh, high states have. Boy, that's really low. You, you could absolutely see a regional hammer come down in the fall. In sure. fact, I would be surprised if it doesn't happen. Sure. You got herd immunity in your state? Well, you're going to be fine. But if you don't, it, you know, these new variants could take hold in some of these states. Well, and keep in mind, we have freedom of travel in the United States. So if Mississippians all of a sudden decide to travel to the four corners of the contiguous 48, that could be a problem. Yeah, although not gotta, for me. It ain't, yeah, it ain't going to catch on. Yeah, yeah. But if they do that, Jack, it's going to be incredibly expensive. You know the conversation about how expensive rental cars are right now? Yeah. They may double again by August. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, seriously, you just go where you're going, buy a car, drive it around <laughs> for a week, then sell it. It'll probably be worth 5000 bucks more than you bought it for anyway. Right. You buy a used car. Yeah. Good idea. Right. Land yeah, wherever so... you're going to land, immediately buy somebody's car. Go on Craigslist. Right. Yeah. yeah and then sell it when you're you're on your way out of town. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, bring you those facts and figures. Uh, a couple of China-related stories. Uh, Bitcoin could be changing completely within a year or two, depending who you ask. Changing in what sense? Well, they're putting a new a new f- person on the Bitcoin. Whose face is on the Bitcoin? <laughs> there are no faces. Susan B. Anthony. There are no be faces quiet, on John. the Bitcoins. <laughs> no. What is it? Just like Laura leaves, or I picture a coin. Am I making a mistake? Or it's a B with like the dollar sign slashes through it. That's what it is. Yeah, it, it's there's like Instead a Bitcoin of an S with slashes, logo that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I call it. But keep S in coin. mind, bitcoins are as big as manhole covers. That's why they're worth so much. <laughs> we got a serious problem at the world's strongest man competition. Uh oh, temperature related. So we should. Yeah, it's temperature related. They picked the wrong place to have the world's strongest man competition. Trouble Re- times. Really big old boys are having trouble pulling trains with their teeth and whatnot. 
So we'll check in on that, among other things. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. That's right, Father's Day is this Sunday, and Americans are expected to spend over $20 billion. That story again on Sunday, over 20 billion scratch-off tickets will be sold. Good luck, Dad. Wow. All those Father's Day jokes leave me scratching my head. Is that a thing? Um, uh... Scratcher tickets? I don't know. In moments, uh, check in on the world's strongest man competition, which is going on right now. Actually, not not far from, not uh, you know, uh, barely a keg's throw from where I'm standing right now. But <laughs> I've watched it on ESPN many times over the years. You know, I could summarize this rental car story with: uh, if you're thinking of renting a car in August, book now, now. Or just you know, take public transit or Uber or borrow a car or buy a car or something. Uh, it's trending over a hundred dollars a day rental car fees for August, and that's not for you know I'm I'm renting a Land Rover or something like that. That's just for your average kind of uh-huh. semi dumpy mid sized uh, rental car. Boy, a lot of people are going to be shocked. I know I would be because you don't really factor that into like the major expense of your trip. Usually, I don't anyway. Oh yeah, they give plenty of examples here of people who are spending more for their rental car for two days than the flight that got them. Wow. Which is shocking, and well, you know, if maybe maybe take mass transit. You know, maybe just a, you decide, okay, I'm going to take an Uber, and then jump on the local uh, rail, light rail thing. I might yeah, do I'm, that. I'm doing a little vacation travel, and I've just I've done the math, and I'm just going to Uber everywhere I go. It'll be a lot less expensive oh, than yeah. a rental car. Heck yeah! yeah. Plus, then you're not uh, parking or anything. If you didn't follow this during the uh, pandemic, the rental car companies, many of them sold off their fleets. That was the only revenue they had. So they figured, well, we got to keep the uh, doors open. We got to keep the uh, the motor running, so to speak. So we're, we're going to sell off a bunch of our cars because we don't need them. Little did they know that when the economy and travel bounced back, it would be nearly impossible to find vehicles for reasonable amounts of money for the reasons of the, the chip shortage and supply interruptions and the rest of it. So it's kind of a, uh, a double, triple whammy that's led us to this point. But rental cars, brutal. Keep it in mind. So the world's strongest man competition is going on in Sacramento, California. It ends on uh, the 20th, Father's Day. I wish I had tickets and could go, but it's a limited crowd because of COVID. Uh Currently, two Americans lead, so that's uh, exciting. Yes, USA. Uh, we'll compete in a whole bunch of different contests, including, including the train pull, the pickaxe hold, and the Atlas Stones <laughs> over five grueling days. The pickaxe hold, is that you have to hold it straight out yes. for as long as you can? 60-pound axe, you have to hold it straight out. Oh, uh, I uh, can't. <laughs> nobody, nobody made a minute, even among these guys. Nobody made it a minute. That's the- incredible. <laughs> Qualifying day one was the loading medley. Loading heavy things, I guess. The squat lift and the deadlift. you got to have descriptions of these. The loading I, I, medley. Have, what the I'll, hell is that? I'll have a little more here in a second. On day two, Fingal's fingers and the train pull. Then on day three, the overhead medley. Pickaxe holding the stone off. <laughs> Titan's turntable on the final day, which is a new event. I'll tell you about all this here in just a second. 
If at the end of this you tell us you made up all of these events, yeah, no I kidding. won't be shocked. Yeah. This is the first time ever for Titan's turntable. Now, if you don't know anything about old Sacramento, which I do know something about having lived near it for so many years, it uh, one of the, the anchors of old Sacramento is the best train museum you've ever been to in your life. And they do have a giant turntable. The way uh, they used to turn trains around, maybe if you've been to San Francisco, you've seen the cable car turn around on that. Well, you have to push an antique locomotive around on the turntable a full 180 degrees. (laughs) Again, I can't. (laughs) And uh, I guess it's danged heavy. So there you go. Wow. Uh, Fingal's Fingers. (laughs) This is funny. I'm actually watching this right now. (laughs) The turn in the turntable. No, the uh, the Fingal's Fingers. Fingal's Fingers is returning the competition. This event was named after the mythological Gaelic hunter warrior Fingal, written about in the 18th century. Uh, athletes need to lift a series of large pipes and drive each over a fulcrum. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, so picture a large metal pole, about 500 pounds, laying on the ground, and at one end is attached to like a hinge. Your job is to, to push the pole upright and push it over to cool. the other direction. Good one. Uh, uh, uh. I can't. With ever-increasing weights as you do more. Yeah, what if I, for every event, I just turned to the judges, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. I will say I'm that. Not, uh, I'm not strong enough. Back when I used to watch the uh, World's Strongest Man competition on ESPN, the five, or whichever one it was, yeah. I liked how they did all the weights in stone. They, they yes. seem to have adjusted now towards pounds, which, again, makes yeah. it more easily yeah. understandable. Yeah. But Clearly. <laughs> on the second qualifying day, they had the train pole in which athletes raced 20 meters while pulling a train car that weighs 80 tons, which is pretty uh, amazing. Excuse me, Judge. Judge, judge can I get me, your attention? I, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. It's too heavy. <laughs> I can't move it. <laughs> can we take some of the stuff out of that car? <laughs> just, I just stand there. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, Jack Armstrong of the United States has failed to even begin the event. <laughs> Um, one of the favorites dropped out with a groin injury on day one. Oh, but Oof. that wasn't good. I bet that wasn't good. Uh, that'll put a hitch in your get along. Huh? Oh, sure. Trying yeah. to pull a train and all of a sudden your groin goes, ah! Spring? Gives out on you. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, they all big, they wear that big belt to keep their guts from spilling out. That's the point of the big belt, isn't it? It's more for their back, think, but yeah. yeah, I think it's back support, actually. Oh, okay. Says the guy who can't even start an event. <laughs> Michael, don't we have that? Didn't we have a, what was that tape you used to play whenever we talk about an injury? I broke six ribs. No, we got the, well, the we got the stretching thing. <laughs> we the got stre- that oh, that's right, stretch snap. It was labeled. They should they should have done this. That would have been a good promotional thing to have an average person like local disc jockey Jack Armstrong try any of these <laughs> events and like fail to do anything. Like you can't even lift up the thing to try to tip it over. The big rock you got to carry somewhere can't even get it off the ground. Can't budge the train. I can't do any of the things at all. Let alone you know. Well. I don't. I don't feel like the fail case of an average joe attempting these events is oh look he couldn't do it it's death <laughs> people will die if they try to do these things oh yeah their hearts will just explode oof yeah the you got to get a young a young jock atlas stone rolls on your foot oh jeez snap crackle pop fantastic Yikes. and they, these guys almost never look like um somebody that you would see and say oh but that guy's the strongest man in the world they almost never look like that well, that's because they don't look like muscle men. They look like farmers, big, mm-hmm. strong farmers. I think a lot of them, looking at some of the pictures, a lot of them, if you saw them in clothes, you'd just think, oh, that's the, the fat guy that works over in the cubicle. Yeah. 
No, he's the yeah. strongest man in the world. He lifts up all the cubicles, <laughs> rearranges them. Yeah, you need a tr- you, like your train won't start. You can't get your train started. He'll pull it for you. If you're, if you're, and as a matter of fact, if your train's pointing the wrong direction, he can turn it around and get it pointing the other direction. Exactly. Who else is going to help you with that? Nobody. Why'd you back the train into the driveway, honey? <laughs> now what am I going to do? If your ultra marathoner buddy's doing that, no. No. No, you need somebody yeah. to get your train pointed the right direction. Skinny little weasels. You got a beer keg? You need it you here? You need it way up there? <laughs> Four stories up, not a stairway to be found? No. Here's your guy. <laughs> hey, honey, the steel pole on a fulcrum's laying to the right. It's supposed to be laying to the left. I'm, and it's 500 pounds. I really need this axe held straight out for a full minute. <laughs> Who is going to help me with this? I will. <laughs> Actually, you know, I was going to do a mock Scandinavian accent, but the Americans are leading the way. What, yeah. Do we have names? Let's give credit where it's due, by golly. Mm-hmm. Well, these, are, these should be household names. These are the world's strongest men. Currently, the leaders are Brian Shaw of the United States and Terry Mitchell of the U- United States. Way to go, fellas. In third place, J.F. Karen of Canada. Boo! I believe the guy who plays the mountain from the Game of Thrones actually competes in these things on occasion as well. God, this is a great name. The guy in fourth place from Georgia, part of the old Soviet Republic, Konstantin Janaishka. Now, that's a strongest man name right there. God bless you. Some guy that comes down out of the mountain, just let me turn train around. That's the kind of guy that you need. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let me set this up just so you know who you're hearing right here. So the mayoral race is going on in New York. We've talked a little bit about it, mostly just because they're doing a ranked choice voting. This will be the biggest experiment for that kind of voting, if you know what that is. And some people think that's a way to depolarize our politics. Anyway, they're going to try it, and we'll see how that works. Andrew Yang is the name you would mostly know if you're not from New York because he ran for president and got a lot of attention. Asian dude. Uh, would regularly say that our data is worth more than oil in the world right now. That sort of stuff. Um, but he's running for mayor, and he briefly was in first place, and now he's kind of dropped down to around third. But he uh, he said this about the homeless situation, how to deal with the homeless problem that they're having in New York right now, and it's it's getting uh, skewered in social media, if that means anything at all. But here, here it is. The fact is mentally ill uh, homeless men are changing the character of our neighborhoods. Uh, a woman uh, my, my wife Ellen is friends with in her mom group in Hell's Kitchen was punched in the face by a mentally ill man. Sent a picture of a bruised face around the mom group, spread like wildfire. This is happening in New York City, and we're not talking enough about it. Families are leaving as a result. In East Harlem, the neighborhood has been changed. Upper West Side, the neighborhood has been changed. We owe our people and our families better than this, and I'm frustrated by the political nature of of these responses. I mean, we're not talking about housing affordability. We're talking about the hundreds of mentally ill people we all see around us every day on the streets and the subways. We need to get them off of our streets and our subways into a better environment. And when you ask what I'm going to do differently, I'm going to rebuild the stock of psych beds 
in our city because the site, the number's gone down 14%, it should be going up 100% until there are resources necessary for anyone who's mentally ill to not be on our streets. It's not right for them. It's not right for our city. There will be no recovery until we resolve this. I will fix this, Thank New you. York. Yes, mentally ill people have rights, but you know who else have rights? We do. The people and families of the city. We have the right to walk the street and not fear for our safety because a mentally ill person is going to lash out at us. Oh, my God. The first part of that and the last part of that were exactly what I said at the city council meeting in the town I live in. We, the citizens, the families, should be able to walk the dang streets without fear of being attacked. How about we start there with the conversation? And he's getting skewered on social media for that? It's amazing how often that is left out of the conversation. Um, How about those of us who are taxpaying citizens doing the right thing, who just want to park our car and walk into the restaurant or go over to that park without fear of being attacked. And sometimes we are attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's interesting. Um, that the, 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 the fact that he's saying it, that some people can finally say it. Now, to the mental health uh, aspect of it, I don't know what the answer is on that. Man, that's a tough one. You see people all the time. The guy that I was talking about, the picture that I tweeted out a week or so ago, the guy that seems to own the park bench outside the Baskin-Robbins, as I've been there three times in the last couple of weeks, and he's always sprawled out on that bench. And so he gets the best place to sit under a big shade tree in the little square in my town, USA, and the benches around it because nobody wants to sit next to him. And he's laughing, and then he's shouting, and then he goes back to laughing and having imaginary conversations. He's clearly off his nut or whatever you know, whatever term you want to use. Quite possibly not his fault. I don't have any idea what his. I don't know if he made himself crazy through drugs or it's completely not his fault. Right. But he's not going to fix himself. It's remarkable how little will there is among the political class to do anything productive about this. Whether it's how often as the trillions of dollars are thrown around, trillions and trillions of dollars. When was the last time you heard somebody say we need to have uh, mental hospitals open up again? Or more beds or that sort of thing, like Andrew Yang was talking about. And, you know, it strikes me as, you know, allegedly there's a big backlash online, not sympathetic enough. He's treating them as if they're criminals, blah, blah, blah. It strikes me that the very people who are the least able to approach these questions logically, rationally, look at the totality of the problem. The people least likely to do that are the most vocal and the most aggressive on social media, there's a weird emotionalism times emotionalism equals social media thing going on in America. And that's why, as positive Sean often puts it, the, the craziest 3% are controlling the conversation. Oh, the other thing he said that, that I said when I spoke to a city council meeting was in naming particular neighborhoods that are completely different than they were a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is anybody going to acknowledge that? It used to be perfectly fine to go over there. Now it's not. Yeah. Is everybody okay with that? No, we're not. Okay, well, let's do something about it. Read an email uh, last hour, I think it was, uh, from a a gent who went back to Eugene, Oregon, uh, for the first time in one year, just one year, and actually a little less than a year, come to think of it, and it was overrun by junkies. Overrun. In a single, you know, less than a year. How is it not obvious that that is policy? That's not the housing prices in Eugene, Oregon. That's policy. Um, uh, Robbie Suave from Reason, you know, the libertarian uh, 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 people, uh, he tweeted out, I can't believe there's so much pushback to Andrew Yang's uh, comments in the New York Times. 
the 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 comment section is just it's awful. He's you know scapegoating and putting the blame on these people. Uh, but the first response on Twitter is this, and this is the question I always have: What is he suggesting? We force mentally ill people into treatment centers. Who determines who is mentally ill and who isn't? That is the problem. That's why it it doesn't happen. A a judge (laughs) and a panel of doctors, admitting doctors, it will be imperfect, and it will be a constant source of challenge. Well, there's a history of it going really wrong, but um, what we're doing Mm -hmm. now is not working. That's why it's got to be transparent, you know, reviewable, the rest of it. Um, but yeah, we've, we've erred to the other side too far. And the history of this, without getting too far into it, it it's really, really interesting. The classic uh, mantra on the left is that Reagan closed the mental hospitals. But that's not true at all. The liberal uh, America, particularly in the uh, psychiatry industry, convinced Reagan that the key was these community mental health centers. But there was no data. There was no proof. There was no experience that they that they worked at all. And that experiment was a disastrous failure and went away. And then we as Americans just couldn't figure out what to do next. So we really didn't do much. Anyway. But people didn't get all of a sudden crazy in the last couple of years. The homeless situation has exploded. True. There's still an under-recognition of how much of it is just drug use. Just flat-out junkies. I was going to say, if you got rid of the druggies, then you would see the situation just uh, down to a tiny fraction of what it is right now. Sure. And then you could much more easily, well, A, you could, you could much more easily deal with the mentally ill and the downtrodden and the rest of it because it would be easier to see and comprehend. And secondly, it would be much harder for the soft-headed emotionalists that I was describing earlier to claim that everybody's just downtrodden because the rent's too damn high, which is just, it's a fallacy. So it's, it's, it's a falsehood. Uh, you know what? And, but, and yet government responses to it are so dumb and ham handed. I have an example for you. This is just outrageous. Right after a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, they want you to feel tucked in, secure when you go to sleep at night, knowing that if there's a medical emergency, a fire, or God help us, a break in, you are alerted, the authorities alerted, and you're going to be fine. Simply Safe is an award-winning system, and I mean award-winning by a lot of different publications who called Simply Safe the best. That has all the technology bells and whistles that you expect, but they got all kinds of people that are going to help you from setting it up. So you're going to go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, click around, customize it for your house. And then when it comes to you, you can get a hold of somebody at Simply Safe real easy for setting the whole dang thing up. Then you have 24-7 protection with people that are there to help whatever problem you have. And because you use that code Armstrong, you get a free security camera. So go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, customize your system, get that camera, 60-day risk-free trial, nothing to lose. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So I saw this headline, and I expected one thing, and I got another. Happens to be out of the capital of Cal Unicornia one of the great leaders of the progressive West Coast experiment. Here's your headline. Dozens of homeless have been kicked out of Sacramento hotels used as shelters during COVID. I thought, yeah, probably doing drugs and and misbehaving and and that sort of thing. And sure enough, you know, quite a few of them are. Speaking of the Uh, New York mayoral race, they're doing that in New York just because they want the hotels back. They A lot of empty hotels, they put homeless people in there, and now they're booting them all out. Don't know where they're going to go, but they're just opening the hotels back up. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, they get into some of the stats. Uh, about 250 people have been kicked out of three Project Room Key hotels in Sacramento. Uh, 65 were kicked out because of criminal activity. The rest were told to leave because of noncompliance with a variety of rules. And they talk about this 73-year-old guy by the name of Donald who was hit by a truck last last year had all sorts of fractures. He's in horrific physical condition. He takes a variety of drugs. He's an old guy. And he got booted out of his hotel because he had a visitor. That's one of the rules. You can't have a visitor. The visitor is his caregiver who takes care of his wounds, who brings him to get groceries, makes sure his medications are in order, etc. But because... He was entrusted to the bosom of American bureaucracy, and his caregiver came by to get him food. He got booted out, and he's now on the street. This old guy who can hardly even get around. It's just, those of you who think government is the solution to everything, you have never looked at government solutions. Nobody has the ability in a bureaucracy to make an independent, sane adult judgment. All they have is the rules and regs. So I was actually kind of interested. The no visitors rule is one of 20 that guests of the Project Room Key hotels, motels must follow. Guests must be back to the rooms prior to 8 o'clock each night. Unless prior permission is made, they must get approval for time spent outside the rooms, must allow staff in for room checks, must wear a resident badge whenever they leave the rooms. They can also not smoke. They cannot be aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. The purpose of the rules, including the no visitors rule, is to prevent the spread of the coronavirus and maintain a safe environment. And nobody can look at this old bastard and say, Oh, no, this woman, is. Uh, she's here to make sure his medicines are in order. No, that's okay. Nope, not in a bureaucracy. Forget it. Out on the street, old man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, New York might have its first smoking mayor in uh, f- almost 60 years. So is that a mayor of smoking? <laughs> All right, yeah. No, a mayor the- of who smokes. I don't know why I saw that headline. I thought that was a funny headline. New York may have its first mayor that smokes since 1965. <laughs> Great. Are we out of news? <laughs> Had to go with that? I don't know. It's just kind of a funny thing to even point out. I don't know. That reminded me of a, uh, a funny tweet that I saw the other day where it was saying the, the 80s on Netflix, and it shows somebody in bright day glow, like leggings, right? Like your, uh-huh. your jazzercise style versus reality in the 80s, and it was a McDonald's branded ashtray. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and when I started in radio, everybody smoked in the uh, in the control room. I didn't smoke, but didn't matter what you did or not, you smelled like smoke because uh, there was ashtrays everywhere, and the walls and the carpet and everything smelled like smoke. So people would sit in here, you know, spinning the records, just smoking constantly. It's amazing uh, that that ex- that existed in my lifetime. Oh yeah, yeah. And it just shows you how strong culture is, how important culture is, both in positive and negative ways. We have all sorts of information on the bloodshed in Chicago, and the the even the mayor is saying we need help here. Uh, we'll get to that eventually, but there's a culture of you settle your problems with guns in Chicago in a lot of places. Um, 
Nobody, nobody is willing to address that because it sounds kind of judgmental or something. It's not the guns. It's the desire to kill people with them that gets people dead. But nobody wants to address that. Culture is so important. A fantasy football league loser has have to pay has to pay off his bet in kind of an entertaining way. We can tell you about that, among other things. Also, good news on whether or not we're going to go to war with China. First good news I've heard in a while on this topic. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday. So before we get to a more important fair, it's kind of a thing with fantasy football leagues that whoever places last has, you know, something. You, you buy everybody pizza and beer or or you come up with something more clever like this fantasy football league did. Uh, this tweet. I'm coming to you live from Brandon, Mississippi Waffle House. I, a total loser, came in last place in my fantasy football league as punishment I have to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. Every waffle I eat shaves an hour off the clock. Oh. So you have to, I was thinking about this. This group of friends rocks. <coughs> yeah, I wait a minute I, now. I think I could sit down and immediately wolf down six waffles. So I'm down to 18 hours immediately. I haven't eaten in an awful house in so long. I can't How big are the waffles? Not terribly big. No. These are not gigantic, like, bed-and-breakfast-style no, Belgian could eat, waffles. I think I could eat a half dozen right off the bat. An hour later, I could eat four more. So now I've got ten hours knocked off. I'm down to 14. I think I I'm going to spend... I think I could possibly do that. I think oh. I'm going to spend, like, eight hours there. I'm going I'm to crawl out of there sick to my stomach, but... Do you fall for the trap of, like, your first couple waffles? You get, like, a little side of eggs, no, maybe no, a piece no, of no, bacon? No, 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 absolutely not. No, you got to be disciplined. I'm not going to go smothered, covered, diced, and chopped. If you know your Waffle House, that's a thing. You, sir, are an experienced Waffle House patron. Absolutely, and I've only been there at uh, closing time, at the, the, after the bars close. Is it that's open otherwise? That's the best time. That's when they, you get the floor show of the fight. Butter, yes or no? If I'm trying to eat a whole bunch of them, probably not. Syrup, yes or no? But if I'm wanting deliciousness, yes. Uh, but I'd probably eat probably lightly buttered, no syrup, if I was going to try to eat as many as I could. I think I'd have mm. to do light butter, light syrup on both, just because it seems the dryness of it. dry! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get this down. Dry. Yeah, Catherine Garcia, who's currently tied for second place to be mayor of New York, would be the first cigarette-smoking mayor since 1965 if she wins. She smokes back a day. I don't know why that oh. made the news, but I found that kind of funny. Um, more importantly... The chairman of the Joint Chiefs spoke yesterday, and finally, a little good news about the whole China situation. I feel like I've only been hearing bad news for quite some time. He testified yesterday, top U.S. general says China currently lacks the military capability to take Taiwan by force. That's according to General Mark Milley, who told Congress yesterday that while China's long-term goal remains to unite Taiwan with its mainline, uh, mainland eventually, and we have been making noises for decades that no, you can't do that. That's where the point of conflict comes in. The Chinese military is not yet capable of mounting a successful invasion to subdue the island. I think China has a ways to go to develop the actual no-kidding capability to conduct military operations to seize it through uh, 
Military means the entire island of Taiwan, he said yesterday. Interesting. And Secretary of Defense Austin agreed with him. So, yeah, I was kind of happy to hear that. You know, I uh, had a really interesting conversation uh, a little while back with a a gent who studies uh, military strategy and that sort of thing. And he he said something that had never occurred to me. It has to do with culture and training. And one of the reasons the United States military is so incredibly well-trained is that commanders have the explicit right and responsibility to improvise, to understand the intent of their orders, and execute the intent. But if the strategy the strategy needs to change or whatever, they will. And later on, they'll say, here's why we did this. Mm-hmm. And their commanders will say, well done. In Chinese culture, that is extremely upsetting. Interesting. To contradict orders that came from above, particularly in communist China, but in Asia in general. And I know the Japanese have had to work hard on this um, because it's it's seen as disrespectful. It's, but that rigidity, and anybody who's ever been in combat will tell you, you know, the plan goes out the window the moment you encounter the enemy. Uh, but that rigidity could well really hamper the, uh, the Chinese efforts. This, if, if, God forbid, it ever comes to that. This story out of the Washington Post, not Fox News, the Washington Post. Although Joe Biden vowed not to hire anybody in his own family, in the first couple months of his presidency, at least five children of his top aides have secured coveted jobs in the new administration. Five kids of top aides got cool jobs in the White House. Hand it out to spoils, man. It's as old as politics. That's just so weak. So freaking weak. It's a for-profit business. Politics is an industry. Remember that. If you missed the show, get the podcast any hour, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.